0: Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's Sermon Podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Uh, So our worship team is actually going to do something for our introduction to the sermon today. So take it away. Come, now is the time to worship Come, come, now is the time to give your heart Just a second, sorry Come, now is the time to worship Come, now is the time to give your heart Come, just as you are to worship Come, just as you are before Well, those uh, sounded very different, didn't they? That first line that they sang was terrible. It was grating. I wanted it to be over. I'm sure these guys who who sing and play beautifully wanted it to be over. And I just kind of didn't want to be here. But the second one, as they came together in harmony, it was rich. And beautiful and, and full, and left you wanting more. They just sang one chorus, but man, I was ready to just like launch into that song again. And the body of Christ, the church, can be very much like both of those examples. We can be together in tune and in harmony, and it's beautiful and wonderful, or we can be out of tune and, and not in harmony. And in both things, the, the results are significant in very different ways. In Psalm 133, the writer makes a very similar um, observation about the, the beauty and wonderfulness of being in harmony. It says how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting." And so even though that's like three verses, that is a small psalm, there's a lot packed into that. And before we go into the application and and broader things, we actually need to maybe understand some of these words, what they're talking about, because there's a lot of similes in here and and things that if we don't get the context, we're going to lose a lot of it. So we're going to do some poetry analysis. It's not going to be hugely in-depth, nor is it going to be... very deep. I mean, I never got poetry analysis in school. That was always the thing that I just didn't understand symbolism. But I'm going to do my best in here. So this Psalm 133 is a part of 15 Psalms from 120 to 134 that are labeled the Songs of the Ascent. And there's kind of two different theories of what was ascending, or who was ascending. One was that these were the psalms that were sung by worshipers as they ascended to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage. Another theory is that it was the Levites, those that were called to minister in the temple, that as they climbed the 15 steps up to the temple, they would sing these songs. But as we look in it, the first thing we see is harmony or unity, other versions have. And I mean, the, the basic definition is just agreement or a chord. But the one that draws together music, I think, and is such a beautiful picture, is the combination of simultaneous different musical notes into a chord. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That as we come together, the harmony, all of our different ways, all of our personalities come together into a beautiful chord Then it says, harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head. Well, what's that about? Well, when Moses uh, led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they were in the desert, um, God told Moses to anoint Aaron, his his brother-in-law, as the high priest. And Moses gave—or sorry, God gave Moses— a list of laws a ways of organizing themselves and in these it sets out the instructions for the anointing oil Exodus 30 says then the Lord said to Moses collect choice spi- spices twelve and a half pounds of pure myrrh six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon six and a quarter pounds of fragrant calamus and twelve and a half pounds of cassis as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel, and also get one gallon of olive oil. Like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make a holy anointing oil. And then it says to anoint everything in the temple, and then it says down in verse 30, anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests, and say to the people of Israel, this holy anointing oil is reserved for me from generation to generation. It must never be used to anoint anyone else, and you must never make any blend like it for yourselves. It is holy, and you must treat it as holy. And so this anointing oil that the, the psalm writer likens to harmony is f- very fragrant and, and obvious. You know, as it says, you know, they don't just do a little thing on the forehead. They pour. It poured all the way down, And it was a sign of anointed, a set apart, a precious, as we see here. It wasn't everyday stuff. This was significant. And it was thorough, as I said, head, beard, all the way down the robe. This is not something that would escape the notice of people. Harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head That ran down his beard and on to the border of his robe Then it says harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountain of Zion Well Mount Hermon Because in the area because of its height, it's really really tall They have a lot of precipitation on that mountain in a very very dry region and so, what happens is the dew that's there, it seeps into the cracks and pores. And what ends up happening is around the base of it ends up being very fertile plant soil below the baseline. This dew provides refreshing and life in dry places. And so, this is a symbol. This dew is a symbol for refreshing, quickening, life bringing, invigorating. And then Mount Zion, this actually is, as I learned, that in the Old Testament, the geographical location actually moved a lot, but it kind of meant the center of Israel, the city of David, where the first temple was erected. And so Mount Zion and Mount Hermon are actually about 200 kilometers apart. And Mount Hermon is kind of considered the mountain of the north, and Mount Zion is kind of considered the mountain of the south. So, what that means is the whole nation covered. When there is unity, the whole nation is covered and is refreshed. And then the last thing to point out is just the theme running throughout Harmony. The oil is poured down over Aaron's head, the dew is running down the mountains. And then it concludes with the idea of God's blessing running down. Over us. So pulled apart, this psalm says living amongst each other, where all of our persons are in harmony, creates a beautiful melody and it's wonderful and pleasant. It is precious and marks us set apart and can't be hidden. This harmony refreshes the dry places of our souls and provides nourishment and life for whole regions. There is a life-giving blessing from God when unity and harmony is among believers. And so we've kind of concluded as we looked at this that harmony and unity is good and precious and refreshing, and it's pleasing to God. There's blessings associated with this. And Jesus says the same thing. We see this theme of harmony and unity among brothers and sisters important, and it translates into the New Testament as well. In John 17, 21, Jesus, as he's praying to God for all the disciples and all of us to come, says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so the world will believe you sent me. So, there's this idea of being one. And I see harmony and unity connected to love. And Jesus says a lot about that, doesn't he? In Matthew 22, in the greatest commandment, he says, You know, the Pharisees are asking him, Well, what do you think the greatest commandment is? And they're trying to trap him. And he says, You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And the second one is just like it love your neighbor as yourself. And all three of those need to be present—love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself—for us to be one. First and foremost, individually, our identity needs to be rooted in Jesus and his deep, deep love for us. Man, if we have no peace with ourselves, if our our identities are afraid, chaotic, insecure, anxious— We show up in ways that are either self-protection or self-promotion, and we can't have harmony with one another. We will be out of tune with ourselves. And man, if we're already out of tune, when we show up with others, we're not magically going to be in tune. We're going to be out of tune with others as well. In John, Jesus also says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved for you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And John, man, he definitely talks a lot about love in his gospels, in his his message, the apostle John. And again, he picks up that same message of what he recorded Jesus saying in his first John book. He talks about it a few times. One of the times he says, one, love one another. If you say you love God but hate a fellow believer, you're a liar. You're out of tune. And man, us as a church, the big universal church, we've been out of tune in a lot of ways over our history. I wonder how much of it is, and I would suspect a lot, is that we don't know how deeply loved we are and we're not living from out of that. We end up being divided and opinionated and not really grace-filled and loving. And I think we've always been this way and I think uh, nowadays just how society is. We've had a greater exposure in social media and the internet, so I don't think it's anything new. I think it's just uh, more seen and less hidden. But We can sometimes make things all about us. We can make church, we can make the gathering, we can make um, relationships with others all about us. Our needs, our wants, our desires, our feelings, our opinions. We all have different ones and we get out of tune because we're showing up either trying to protect ourselves or prove something of ourselves. Instead of showing up knowing that we are deeply, deeply loved by Jesus, and showing up offering his love to the world. And man, when we make it all about ourselves, this is bad for unity, and bad for sharing the wonderful news of Jesus and his love. Who, who wants to be a part of a melody that is deeply out of tune? That first line they sung, did any of us want to join in on that? No. No. But that second one, I don't know about you guys, but that second one, as they sang, it was, I wanted to join in the beautifulness of that. And it's in the same way. In order to represent Jesus well, to sing his melody of love in harmony, we need to be unified around Jesus first in his deep, deep love for us and then having his love permeate our whole being and actions. All of our harmony to be in tune needs to be centered around Jesus, and that creates a rich, beautiful sound that is wonderful, pleasant, precious, and refreshing. Our new uh, president of the Alliance Darren Herbold, in his nomination submission just a few, uh, I guess, months ago, he talked about the importance of having our, our denomination, the larger group of churches that we're a part of, being centered set instead of bounded set. And I see this connected to unity. So bounded set is defined by the borders. These are the do's and the don'ts. Are you in or out? These are the fences to protect our area. Centered set, though, is defined by direction. Are we all headed in the same direction? And the center is Jesus, his love, message, and melody. Harmony occurs when we're all moving towards Jesus and his love and loving one another as he first has loved us. Moving towards Jesus, letting his love permeate us and shape us into becoming more like him is the goal. But as someone told me as I went through my sermon with them, said, but that's also pretty vague. It's easy to say, love like Jesus, and then we move on. And this person challenged me what were some specific characteristics of Jesus that we can begin to cultivate? That begins harmonious living? I think that's a valid question. Yes, we want to love like Jesus, but what do those actually look, what does it mean to love like Jesus? What are some ways that we can begin to grow, to look more like Jesus? And so there's a lot of different components and aspects and and thoughts around unity and and different ways Jesus showed up, but I'm going to suggest three qualities to cultivate. That will help in harmony and unity, and I, I've taken them from First Peter three, verse eight. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other's, uh, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. So the first one that I'm going to point out is sympathize, sympathy or compassion. I know we've kind of really teased those two apart in, in recent years, but the word used is both translated sympathy and compassion. And so that's just the act or capacity of entering into the feelings or interests of another. Awareness of another's distress along with a desire to alleviate it. And several times in the Bible, Jesus, uh, it records Jesus being moved with compassion. Moved with deep compassion. And so this is something we can cultivate to look more like Jesus. We can actually learn how to increase our awareness of other people's distress Or other people's feelings when we're in situations where we're picking up that maybe the person is is upset by you know how they're interacting we can just actually stop and first in our minds and then maybe just even ask them you seem upset what's going on to stop and listen to people to stop and take the time to say, what's going on in your life? And are you okay? Is a way to cultivate compassion. The next thing we see is be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Humility. We know Jesus is humble. And it, it details that in Philippians 2, but there's also along the way we see his tender heartedness and his humility. To cultivate humility, this may mean reminding ourselves that you're not always right. You don't know all the information, and you don't know the motives of someone else. Man, this is something that I need to frequently remind myself of. But it's a way, as we pay attention to our thoughts of what we're thinking, it's a way to cultivate humility. Is like, you know what? I could be wrong. I don't know what the person's thinking. They may have information or coming from a different angle that I have no clue. Humility also comes when we do things poorly. Conversations within our church body will go badly. We react badly. We say things that are misunderstood or we say things that we actually mean and then later think, oops, probably shouldn't have said that. And humility comes in when we, how we process and clean up our messes. For a long time, in the back of my head, I kind of had the thought that unity or um, good relationships or harmony meant like no conflict. That was probably my conflict avoidedness, but that it was like no conflict. We just agreed. We never had to sort anything out. No, I don't think that's what it is. What I would say, actually, is probably a good indicator of the depth of harmony is not an absence of conflict, but how conflict and disagreements are resolved and how are the messes cleaned up rather than a lack of it. Humility also comes in when someone comes to us and says, hey, I've messed up. I did this poorly. I said this wrong. This wasn't great. Humility comes in on our part on how we then react to that person when they've hurt us, when they've said things or done things. How are we going to react when someone says, Man, I'm sorry, I kind of had a reaction there? We can be tender hearted and love one another. And then the last thing, so compassion we can cultivate, humility we can cultivate, and then the last thing that we can cultivate is curiosity. And I think curiosity is a quality that will help in the cultivation of humility and compassion. I saw a social media post, so I don't know if it's true or not, because I didn't vet it, but it seems accurate that Jesus asked way more questions than answered. And if you just do a thought, that's probably pretty accurate. And so we can ask questions of people. Not in like an interrogation, like, why did you, why did you, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. But all of us here want to be heard and understood. And so some practical ways, when we're having conversations, we can say, tell me more about blank. Or, can you help me understand why this topic matters so much to you. As we ask questions, we get to see the person's thoughts, but we also begin to get a picture of their heart. What's going on inside of them? And we can respond in compassion and humility. We also can cultivate being curious about our own inner reactions. A lot of times we just like go on by, never stopping about why we're reacting, why we're saying these things, anything like that. But often, when something is pushed, when we all of a sudden feel like we have to protect or promote or someone is attacking us, we get defensive. We can't think clearly. We, we attack. We withdraw. We, we go into all these coping mechanisms that aren't helpful. But sometimes, as we're having the reaction It's kind of like we're aware that this reaction isn't normal. Maybe normal's not the right word. We're aware that this reaction isn't healthy, and we can stop and ask questions. Why am I responding this way? Uh, About two weeks now, we actually moved in town, and we had been packing. And three days before we were gonna, four days before we were gonna move, everything was packed except the bear. You know, we got some cups. We each had a fork great. And we were uh, coming from somewhere and Nick had mentioned, hey, you know what? We're going to this person's house. We're going to bring an appetizer. Okay, we can do this. Um, Where are the cookie sheets? And I said, well, they're packed with everything else. And he said, okay, can you pull them out? And I was like, why would I pull them out? He's like, well, because we need them And it got into this thing that I was insisting, why should I have to pull the cookie sheets out when we're going to a place that has cookie sheets, just ask to borrow them. And his position was, we have cookie sheets, just find them. Why are we gonna inconvenience someone? And it it escalated further than most of our things escalate. And there was this moment as I was being petty after he was being petty, That I had that brief, I think, Holy Spirit prompt. What is going on right now? And so it was just that moment of like, why am I reacting this way? And really, what it was, was the feeling of there, there had been a couple of things that I thought were set in place that ended up having to get changed. And all of a sudden, internally, it felt like one more thing you're asking me to change. They're packed. And now you're asking me to change another thing, and I can't do it. And so I just stopped and said, you know what, Nick? This isn't about the cookie sheets. Right? I said, I... I I'm feeling overwhelmed, and it feels like one more thing that I have to change and and fix now, and I'm not showing up well. And it kind of diffused, and he said, yep, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And I said, you know what? I I can probably find the cookie sheets. And they were literally like in the first box. To make it even funnier and to show that we had really worked through it, as we were driving to the place, Nick said, did you bring the cookie sheet? And I said, no, did you? And he said, no. I said, well, I guess we're not bringing the cookie sheet then. (laughs) We laughed. But it was like in that moment, right? A lot of times when we are so like amped up and we are going to win, we're going to fight, we're going to prove, we're going to defend, all of those things Man, it can be really hard to just be like, take a breath and be like, what is going on here? But we can. We take a breath and we say, Jesus, what is going on right now? What's making me react this way? To be curious about other people's reactions and our own reactions is a way we can cultivate and grow in characteristics of the love of Jesus And so in conclusion, harmony among believers is important, significant, precious, and refreshing. Will we be out of tune or in tune together as we sing the beautiful melody of Jesus, as we allow his songs of love to saturate us completely, body, soul, and spirit? And what does it look like for you to begin to cultivate compassion, humility, and curiosity towards yourself and those around you. Well, we're gonna be transitioning into doing a, a thing that I believe is an act of unity and harmony. We could have the worship team come on up, please. And that's communion. There is unity in taking communion together. In 1 Corinthians 10, says, when we share the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? Though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. And so today we're going to do an act of unity and harmony by sharing communion together. And so here we practice what's called open communion, which means anyone who has Um, chosen to follow Jesus and asked him to be a part of life, you are welcome to take communion with us. And maybe there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus, that as I'm talking about his deep love for us, you're sitting there thinking, I don't know if I've experienced that or asked him to show me that deep love. You can right now. Really simple. Just tell him, I want you a part of my life. I want to experience your deep love for me. I receive your grace, forgiveness, healing. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into a song, and during that time, there's different tables that you can come up, take the the juice and the bread. At the back table, there is gluten-free for anyone who needs gluten-free, and then the rest. We're going to grab your elements, come and sit down. And I just ask, as we finish the song, that you just take a moment to ask Jesus, is there any place in your life where you're not in harmony? Where you're not operating out of the love of Jesus, either towards yourself or others, just take a moment and bring it to Jesus and ask him to bring you back into tune. Jesus, thank you that you've also made a way for us to be one with one another, that we can experience harmony and unity together as different people bringing different things to the table, but because of what you've done in your death and resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. And so today, church, may you begin to hear God's song of love that he is singing over you. And as you hear the beautiful melody of Jesus, may you begin to join in harmony with other believers, experiencing the precious and refreshing nature of harmony. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.